Well, the first Sunday of Advent, very important, the beginning of our whole new liturgical calendar, new liturgical year, uh, very beautiful season. We're preparing for Christmas for these next four Sundays. And uh, Jesus is coming. If you notice, the texts this Sunday and the following Sundays are going to be about Jesus' coming. And it kind of, uh, you know, this, the lectionary doesn't really make a distinction between Christ's first coming and his second coming. Right, the gospel we heard today was really talking about Christ's second coming. So it's the theme in general of Christ's coming. Uh, but I'm going to draw our attention though to our, our first reading from Isaiah. Just focus on a simple text from there for, for my homily tonight. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down while you wrought awesome deeds we could not hope for, such as they had not heard of from of old. No ear has ever heard, no eye ever seen any God but you doing such deeds for those who wait for him. Doing such deeds as those who wait for him. If we look at this text, we actually see the whole theme of both Advent and Christmas. There is a group or a set of deeds that God is going to do that have never been heard of. Completely inconceivable deeds. They couldn't even be hoped for. Couldn't even enter into the mind and the heart of man. Christianity is a religion that could not have been created by human beings. Christianity is a religion that could not have ever been thought of or conceived of by human beings. God himself, who is beyond human conception, entering fully into our experience, becoming a human being just like you and me. Completely took humanity by surprise when that happens. Completely blew us away. We take it for granted now because we got 2,000 years of hearing, yeah, yeah, God became man, Jesus is God. Okay, all right, right, right. I've heard it, I've heard it. Okay, but we, we really need to be able to look at this amazing message in a completely new and fresh way because that's what it is. It's a completely new and fresh religion such as has never been conceived before. God is a God of surprises. And uh, he likes to do things that we couldn't have anticipated or expected. He likes to surprise us. And he does those surprising things for those who wait for him. That's what Advent is all about. It's a period of waiting, and not just passive waiting, kicking back and eating your TV dinner and watching the, the, the soaps or something. You know, it, The Advent is a time of active waiting, where we're, we're putting effort into positioning ourselves before God and opening our hearts so that He can surprise us. So that He can surprise us. So this is what Christmas, uh, what Advent and Christmas are all about. Christmas is something that could not have been created by human beings. That's the true Christmas. But I want to talk about a Christmas that has been created by human beings. A very different kind of Christmas, okay? It's a man-made Christmas. And it's boring. It's not surprising at all. Alright? It begins kind of like right now. And it's sort of, there's lots of eating, lots of socializing. And then it comes to a really abrupt end on December 25th. Alright? And it leads a lot of people to depression. That's a man-made Christmas. Alright? The true Christmas, oh, and the most important thing is it doesn't have Advent. It doesn't have Advent. No advent to this man-made version of Christmas. 
No Advent. Leads to depression. You know, there was a the national study, the national uh, National Society for Health, I believe, did a study, uh, sociological analysis, and and really it's been determined from that study and from other studies that this time of the year, uh, people's rates of depression are the are the highest this time of the year. It's the most depressing time of the year. Right? It should be a song. It's the most depressing time of the year. So it's the most depressing time of the year. Isn't that remarkable? Now, is God the author of our depression? Or is the man-made Christmas the, the, the cause behind this, this depression? All right? Uh, mental health experts say that they get more business this time of the year than any other time of the year. Uh, incidents of suicide, unfortunately, and attempted suicides are highest at this time of the year. There was another uh, survey that was put out for, for North America, for all of the uh, United States of America, and asking various questions about, about Christmas. 45% of respondents to this questionnaire said that they dreaded this season. They dread it. Okay, so almost half of the people in America dread it. Maybe if you ask them, like, if they're really honest, they'll say, yeah, I kind of dread this time of the year. All right? What is this whole phenomenon of people being depressed over Christmas? It's what, what you might call the Christmas blues. What's the cause of the Christmas blues? Well, you've got a, a lot of so excessive sort of self-reflection, focusing in on oneself when you see other people running around acting like they're having a good time. All right, and uh, you start thinking, well, I guess I don't have as much as other people. Look at uh, there, there's they got all of these presents under the tree, and they got all this goods and the money, and they're you know, so you, it's a, there's a kind of a materialism, and then people start reflecting, well, like I don't, I'm, I don't have as much as other people. What about this one? I've invested my whole life in my kids, and you'd think at least that they could come and visit me, and they don't. They always go to her place and not to mine. Why? Why is that? Okay, right. So this is a, this is a reality. And also, of course, very sad. We remember our our lost loved ones, right? Who we miss at this time of the year. We used to celebrate Christmas with them. They're not here with us anymore. It's another source, okay, of the Christmas blues. We've got social pressures, okay? Expectations to see people you just don't want to see. Okay, I think I hit a chord on that one. <laughs> Pressure to spend a lot of money. And for the younger people, I think as you get older you say forget about it, but I think when you're older you're having kids, or when you're younger you're having kids, and you're like, you've got this pressure to keep up with the Joneses, and you're already in debt, and you're going to put yourself more in debt, because you got to have that Christmas, just like the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses. And then there's this basically kind of unrealistic ex expectations that we put upon ourselves. Like there's got to be, it's going to be something magical that's going to happen. Something magical's got to happen. It's got to do it. I love this time of the year. I've got all these positive memories. So there's this kind of a nostalgia, and you kind of build yourself up with these sort of expectations. And then when things don't go how you planned or how you expected, uh, it's a little bit disappointing. Okay. So these are the different things that kind of go into making the Christmas blues. All right. Now, that really is a, the false Christmas. And if we can embrace the true Christmas, we will avoid the Christmas blues. The true Christmas begins on December 25th, 
my brothers and sisters, that begins on the 25th. And how many days does it last? We all know the song. Twelve days. It goes to Epiphany. We've got to, as Christians, reclaim that back from whatever, J.C. Penney and Macy's, and I'm probably dating myself by even saying these things, but whatever the, whatever the department stores are that are big, that people shop in, by the commercialism, we've got to claim it back. This is a holy religious season. It's a feast day. And it's 12, we know, how, we Catholics know how to party. It's 12 days long. Okay, 12 days. It begins on December 25th. But it's preceded by a time of preparation that's called Advent. During Advent, it's not party time yet. Advent is not exactly like Lent, but it's a little bit like Lent. Our Eastern Orthodox brothers and sisters call Advent the little Lent. Okay? It's got a quasi-Lenten feel to it. We wear purple. Purple is the penitential season. It's not supposed to be pretty. Okay? It's supposed to be a kind of a somber color that denotes penance. And there's a time of silencing ourselves. Preparing ourselves, opening ourselves up, not building up these expectations, but letting God blow our expectations out of the water. Letting us, letting Him go beyond all that we could hope or anticipate or expect. But that takes a kind of openness, a silence, a prayerfulness, okay, and a thinking about others. Just like during Lent, we, we do give to the rice bowl and we give to other worthy social causes. We think about the poor. Advent's also a time we can do that during Advent. And it, that's the best thing. That's the best way to prepare uh, for the Feast of Christmas. Feasts are not feasts without fasts. Okay? A feast is not a feast unless it's preceded by a fast. That's the wisdom of our liturgical calendar. Every feast is preceded by a fast. If it's all feasting, there's no feasting anymore. Okay? It all just gets leveled out and we all just expect ho-hum. It's not special. But if the feast is prepared for by the fast, then it becomes special. The, the feast to the fast is like the foil to a diamond, okay? I don't even know if the jewelers do this anymore, but I know traditionally what would, what would happen is right underneath the diamond on a diamond ring, you'd put a little piece of foil, okay? And that foil would capture the light and it would reflect out and it would highlight and showcase and make the diamond full of splendor and glory, and so the fast is like that. It's a foil to the feast. It makes the feast all that much more glorious and beautiful and splendid. And unless we're willing to kind of give up and forego and empty ourselves out and let go of our expectations and our man-made endeavors and creations and whatnot, God can't show himself a God of surprises. Remember, our text says that God does such deeds, unexpected deeds, for those who wait for him. Okay? So, a well-celebrated Advent will help us to appreciate the true Christmas and we'll be able to see that it's not about what is absent, like lots of goodies and money. It's not about who is absent, like those ungrateful kids. Okay? Or maybe, unfortunately, our, our lost loved ones. But it's about who is present, and that is Jesus Christ, the greatest gift that we could ever receive. It's not a time to frantically race all over the world seeing people. We've got to be able to say no to, to too many engagements. Okay? But for those engagements that we do choose to, to you know, embrace, even if they involve people that we don't necessarily see, want to see, 
hey, you know, maybe there's some old wounds there. And taking that first step, writing the Christmas card, maybe paying a, a visit, taking that first step, there'll be some healing that takes place in that old relationship, whether it be family, friends, whoever it might be. You take the initiative, right? Weren't we kind of unlovely and unfriendly and wounded? And Jesus, nonetheless, he came and he visited us on Christmas Day, you know? And he healed us. He came into our lives and he brought love. And he brought healing. We can do that now for others. And then, of course, it's not about spending a lot of money. It's about taking time to build relationships with our family and with our friends. So, my brothers and sisters, our Christmas will be memorable when we lay aside our nostalgic memories and our expectations, our expectations, and we let God do those deeds which could not be hoped for or anticipated as he did on that first Christmas day.